My name is Chris Bear and welcome to Just Fucking Win on Saturday at 3. On this episode, myself and the guys will be looking ahead to this Sunday's Scottish Cup semi-final game against Celtic at Hamden, which many are saying is the final chapter, which I'm sure we'll get into. Joining me to go through this is, first of all, Kenny. Kenny, how you doing? I'm good, thanks, Chris. Um, the returning Eddie. Evening, how you doing? I'm good, mate, I'm good. And finally, producer Andrew is joining us for this one as well. How you doing, Andrew? Oh, good, man. How are you, boys? Ah, well, as we said, um, doing the Aberdeen review, we were really, no, really kind of looking forward to that, you know, looking through that. And then a, a bit of positive news came through, obviously, with Stuart Robertson's departure, which I want to touch upon first of all, because obviously myself and Kenny discussed that with Tom and, and uh, David for Heart and Hand as well. So, get your guys' perspective on it. Um, Andrew, I'll start with you. Your glorious board has fallen, mate. Um, there is there is no more. It, all that remains is the ashes of... The, the remnants, really, of what you could only say is... It wasn't a positive regime for me. It was uh, littered with indecisiveness. It was littered with bad decisions. And it's led us to where we are now. Uh, that's my summary on it. I know you were always more positive. Um, just ribbing you a little bit there. But there's nothing wrong with that. But surely even you can agree that a new chapter is needed. A fresh set of eyes is needed. And a fresh approach is needed. Which we certainly have now. We obviously Ross Wilson departing, Stuart Robertson departing, and James Bisgrove coming in as our new CEO. Well, first of all, Chris, I'd just like to say that being more positive than you is not a great achievement, and I should not be lauded for it. As um, <laughs> I know, I know, you've turned over a new leaf. You've you've turned face, I guess. Yeah, yeah. would be the thing. Um, no, look, both Robertson and Stuart had become, for good and bad reasons, the face of. Uh, a lot of negativity around the club. Uh, they were a face of the underachievement that we'd had with this squad, the staleness that had grown into the club over the past couple of seasons. And, yeah, for for all those reasons, it's absolutely positive that both of them have left. Unquestionably, it, it's a good thing. But I was listening to the Aberdeen preview and the concern that you have, that, that Tom had on that, about Bisgrove just being promoted from within. I understand that fear, but... Bisgrove certainly is someone who knows how to maximise the commercial aspects of the club. The, the question is, he was also the source of maybe one of the least popular ideas in, in recent years. So it's positive on its face, but I'll be interested to see what he does with this newfound power. But regardless of however Bisgrove does, I'm very happy to see the back of Robertson and, and um, Wilson. So that's all good. Just on that point, Andrew, I was actually thinking about the point that Tom made, obviously promoted within. Um, we didn't do a full interview process. Well, we don't know if we, have, if we did or not, um, but we're just on the presumption we didn't. Uh, I, I, as I said, I was thinking about it, and I don't think it matters, really. I really, really don't, because whoever came in would have been treated with the same scepticism and mistrust, because we're not a very uh, trusting bunch uh, from the get-go. We need to see a body of work. And as you just alluded to there, the body of work that Bisgrove has produced in his tenure as commercial director is highly, highly impressive. So uh, I think it was uh, David from Heart and Hand that said that it's just a natural progression. And uh, I I do get the fears around it, but do you agree that whoever came into this role, whether it was an external appointment or internal appointment, they were going to be met with the same scepticism? I think that's probably the case, although... 
you're going to have more baggage if you're promoted from internally because you're ultimately someone that we know already. Yeah. If you know someone's coming in and they are a complete unknown, that has its own baggage with it, right? So there's no there's no positive thing here. There's only going to be negatives that you can possibly spin out of it. I think the the good thing that Bizgrove does have is he does have a track record of success within that field. The question will just be how well can he translate that to you know overall operations of the football club. He's never done this job before. But he's proven that he can be very successful in one facet of it. It would just be interesting to see how he translates that to the rest of the operations of the club. I'm I'm not making any judgments right now, by the way. Like I want to make that clear. I'm optimistic about things because I've liked the way that we have operated under John Bennett since he's taken charge. Um, it's just you know I've been hurt before <laughs> by 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 uh, Rangers appointments. So you know reserving judgment until um until further notice but yeah hopeful eddie it's one of the criticisms that i'm finding very bizarre about this appointment uh when people say look at his cv he's never done the job before uh you know people are justifying that by saying that he's been over promoted or or whatever but my argument back to that is the most successful ceos in the world had to start uh at one point being a ceo before ever being a ceo so in order for them to have gotten that position, they've had to show a track record uh, prior to that in, in different departments of businesses. So I'm I'm not fully on board with that argument about the, the CV doesn't fit the role, because as I say, everybody needs to start somewhere. Would you agree with that, or are you more suspicious or maybe sceptical, that word again? What a terrible way to start a podcast. I agree with you 100% here. <laughs> And that is an absolute nightmare of a start. That's like that's like the Tottenham of podcast starts. Um, yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that. The amount of times you see jobs and that they only accept people who've got experience, and it's like, how do people then get experience? Because everywhere will only accept someone with experience. They've got to start somewhere. Somewhere's got to be the first place that they have a go. And for all intents and purposes, well, he's been successful in the role that we employed him to do. Granted, there's that one um, decision or opportunity that he presented that was taken very negatively by ourselves and the fans. Um, now, I don't blame him for that. He, his his remit was to go out and find um, opportunities to make cl- the club money. And that is exactly what that was. It was an opportunity for the club to make money. He presents that to the board and it's the board's choice to veto that or not. And, and they chose to go ahead with it. So he was just doing his job. And overall, I think he's been, or it appears that he's been really successful in the role that he was employed to do in the first place. And he's obviously shown the board something that makes them want to keep a hold of him, whether that's been some clubs from down south have started asking about his availability. So we've given him a promotion because we think that highly of him, we want to keep him, or whether it's just in discussions with him about his future, his view for the club, they were blown away by whatever he came up with. But at the end of the day, I don't, know what it would what you're looking for in a, a football yeah. ceo um it's not something that i'm trained to understand so as far as i'm concerned i have to trust the board and if they say he's the right man for the job i'm going to trust them in this instance that he's the right man for the job until he proves me um until he proves otherwise so is it fair to say you're fairly positive about this uh obviously bisgrove appointment but more so wilson and robertson department yeah so i mean I, i'm Absolutely over the moon at Wilson and, and Robertson departing. That, that was fantastic. Best thing that could have happened. Um, couldn't have came sooner. 
optimistic is what I would say about um, Bisgrove. Uh, from what I've seen, I've got no reason to doubt him. But like I say, I'm not an expert on what it will take to be um, successful in that role. So I'm just willing to give him time and see what he does. I'm optimistic that he'll be the right man. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Now let's get down to it then. We've uh, avoided it for about five, ten minutes still. Um, but we do need to talk about it. The game this weekend now. It's it's very easy to come on here with a defeatist attitude, uh, be negative and uh, write the team off. Um, I don't think that's the approach that is the best approach to take. But we also at the same time need to be realistic. We can't come on here and say we're going to win four five now at the weekend because um, realistically, is that really going to happen? The probability of that is 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 low. Uh, so we just have to kind of look at it objectively and discuss where we're at as a team now. Uh, what we need to do to try and get a result. But most importantly, as I alluded to at the very start of the podcast, this is the swan song. This is the final chapter for very many of these players. This is the last opportunity they're going to have to win a trophy as a Rangers player. Now, if they have anything about them, they will care about that. They will grasp that opportunity and hopefully they will take it. But absolutely, regardless of the result, at the, at the weekend, it has to be the end for many of these players uh, because a good performance and a good result shouldn't extend the shelf life of many of these players who have outstayed their welcome uh, because that's what's happened all too often to many of these players. They've come back from adversity and had a good run of form and done some good things um, and then you you kind of forget about the bad that happened because you, there's so many mitigating circumstances such as, oh, it's a team in progress or they're developing or it's a young team. But on on the whole now, I think Rangers fans are just, we remember the collective failures, the many, many collective failures of these, team, of these players of this team. And it, it just has, to, the curtain needs to be drawn. And I'm talking as if this is the final uh, at the weekend. In many respects, I actually will class this as the final. The winner of this game will go on to win the Scottish Cup. I have absolutely no doubt about that. I would put everything I own on that because obviously the the two teams, no disrespect to them, uh, the two teams in the other semi-final a division and two division below. So it should be a shooting for whoever actually progresses to the final. So that's why I'm talking in, in this tone. Uh, so, Kenny, are you, are you on board with that narrative or will a positive result maybe change your mind about one or two? No, a, a positive res- result won't change my mind on anything. Uh, look, I, I'm I would normally be quite optimistic going into these games. Uh, I, I've found myself being very low key this week. Yeah. Uh, I think everybody's quite low key, certainly on our side. I don't know about them, but um, look, uh, if if we turn up and play as be- the best we can and defend properly for a change, uh, we have a chance. Um, other than that. I'll be honest and say that, you know, we lose far too many goals to this team that we're playing on Sunday and it's been going on for two years. We have to rectify that on Sunday. That would be my main concern and we have to take our chances. And if we do that, then I'm actually quite optimistic that if we defend properly and take our chances, it speaks, you know, it stands to reason, put it that way, that we will have a, a big chance of winning the game on Sunday. Whether we do or not, we'll wait and see. Eddie, what are you on it in terms of the kind of final chapter narrative? Is is that too far of a, a negative spin or, or are you 
pretty much in the same boat as me. You see that as a realistic outcome, regardless of the result. It has to be the outcome, regardless of the result. There's too many in that squad that have ran their race at Rangers now. It'll be lovely um, if they can go out winning a winning the Scottish Cup and just kind of end that kind of period with at least something positive, because um, the rest of the season's been an utter disaster. So to kind of just finish it on a positive would be great, and then. 10, 11, 12 of them can go off, hopefully, and enjoy their careers elsewhere while we can start building to to replace them and get a squad that's actually going to compete next season. Andrew, you're the last chance to have any positivity coming out of this discussion. Um, but do you know something? I actually think that you're on the same wavelength as Kenny Eddie and I. Yeah, absolutely. I think when we talked about the staleness that crept into the club under the previous regime, then a lot of these players are emblematic of that. Um, we've talked about it before. We need to see turnover come this summer. It'd be really nice, as Eddie says, for them to go out on a win. Um, I'd like to think that that's the motivation that Michael Beale was providing for these guys. But regardless of the result, um, we, we need to be seeing that turnover. So it's a question of what they want their legacy at the club to be. Do they want it to be one of failure or do they want it to be one of, you know, Maybe he's still under, underachieving, but doing something to um, to try and redeem themselves in the eyes of the fans. You see, that's an interesting point, Andrew, because I think the legacy is already sealed uh, for most of these players. Uh, it, it will be, regardless of the result on Saturday, eh, Sunday, sorry, it will be a, a, a team that underachieved, and not just by a little bit, quite 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 a chasm, really. Um, you can obviously, there is points of argument there in favour of them achieving quite unbelievable unbelievable success, obviously, the Europa League final, 55. But at the, at the end of the day, the the trophy hall is well, is the, is the most important metric for Rangers fans. And it's two in five years, could potentially be three in five years. Uh, just to put that into context, Celtic could do three in this one season if we get beat at the weekend. So that's how it's not good enough. That's how the fans are fed up. That's how the fans are just almost sick of the sight of some of these players. And we're just almost at the point where if we could simulate to the end of the season, we would. Um, and, you know, it is obviously a negative conversation that we're having, the, the, the tone of it. But that's because we know what these players well, I was going to say what these players have done over the last, uh, you know, couple of years, but it's what I've not done is why we're, we're, we're talking like this. But we're now recording this on the Thursday. Now, Rangers have, over the last, I would say over the last two months, they're getting later and later with the press, press conferences. It's almost getting done on Friday afternoons now, just about consistently every week. Uh, so it makes it difficult to have discussions about possible injuries, team updates, news, sound bites from the manager and certain players. So there's obviously been none of that out with one interview from Nico Raskin, who gave an interview to Sky Sports. Now, uh, it's something I do want to discuss uh, because I'll be honest, this is no fault to Nico Raskin. He's certainly not in the, the, categ- the category of has to leave in the summer. Absolutely not. He's, he's the future. Uh, but he's you can tell he's been listening to his teammates who are in that category. And that is because he said that the gap is closing. It's getting we're getting closer to Celtic. And to be quite frankly honest with you, it's utter nonsense. Uh I see no signs of progress. Uh I, I hear some Rangers fans say Celtic have only beaten us by one goal uh, since Michael Beale came in the twice. Is that really where we're at? I, I, I don't believe that's a positive at all because 
you would take a one goal uh, win over Celtic every day. Um, and if Celtic were saying they're getting closer to us because of that, um, we would laugh at them. Let's let's be honest. It's it's always good to kind of flip it and and think about if Celtic were saying some of the things that Rangers have been coming out with, how would we react? And this whole the gap is getting closer. It's not because this is the end of the road for this team, and you can't say that the gap's getting closer when this team is getting ripped up. And we need to start again. The the gap should be judged from next season, and we'll look at it then to see if we are getting closer at the same level or overtaking them. And it's, it's as I say, it's a little bit insulting. Uh, Andrew, I'll come to you first. When players, and, and I really, really do not blame Raskin for this, because as I say, I believe Raskin's listening to his teammates who are just, uh, they are losers, uh, most of them. And it's them that's coming away with this stuff, and that's why he's came to it with the media. The last time we beat them in the league was the 29th of August, 2021. The last time we actually beat them was, uh, you know, over a year ago now, 17th of April 2022 in the Scottish Cup semi-final. Can you justify the gap getting closer, Andrew? Well, there's been improvement since uh, these guys were being managed by Geo. Uh, they're not getting beat 4-0 anymore. The last so one, that's progress. But that's, that's the thing. The last one actually came from Geo. We've, we've, we've not won a game under Bill, so how can you say there's been improvements? That's, the, what, the... that's, that's what I'm flinging back to you. So I, I just will not tolerate this... Uh, this narrative. All right, caller. It'd be nice to you know try and make my response if that's okay. Um, look, I, I think regardless of what the actual facts are, Raskin is going to be saying this because it's ultimately at some level what they have to believe. They have to believe that that gap is closing because they have to believe that they can close that gap. They have to believe that they can do this. They have to believe that they can win this game. If they don't, they're already beaten before they even turn up to it. So it'd be all well and good for them to come out and say pre-match, and, and I, I mean, we're shit, we'll probably get beat. Can, but, I, just, can I just come in there very quickly? But surely they should believe, <laughs> like Raskin himself shouldn't believe that there is a gap. Raskin should be believing I'm better than them. Is that not a fair argument? Well, there's a difference between, you know, just completely making stuff up. We, we've no, no, I'm talking Raskin it. himself. Like, he shouldn't be in this mindset of, oh, there is a gap. He should be thinking to himself, I'm just here. I'm better than I'm better than Rio Hitati. I know I'm better than Rio Hitati. I'm going to show him that. And I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying that should be his attitude. But his attitude's already been infected by the players that surround him. Sure, but he's being asked about Rangers versus Celtic, and God willing, this won't be the team next season. So yeah. I really like Raskin and I love Campwell, but those are just two players, and we need an yeah. injection of at least five or six players of similar quality as yeah. first teamers. Yeah, Rangers is going to look different next season than it does this season, but ultimately, we have to believe that we are starting to close that gap. Those players need to believe that, because if they don't, like I said, they're going to think that there's no point in even going to hand them. This team have gone through a lot of shit. Um, some of these guys, especially some of these ones who we want to be leaving. But Hamden used to be very good for us and very bad for Celtic. And unfortunately, that's changed. So there's only really one way that you can start to change that. And that's with starting to believe that, OK, we're going to change this thing. Human beings are built on narrative. They're built on the possibility of stories. And the story that these guys need to be telling themselves is, OK, well, this is the underdog moment where everyone thinks we're down and out, but we can come back and win this. So and again, in Raskin's defence, he did this interview prior to the Aberdeen game. So, you know, we've all done recordings of interviews prior mm. to games that then get released afterwards. And we might look a bit silly. But, hey, that's just the way things go when you're dealing with media oh, interviews. Oh, oh. Right? I, I want to kind of reiterate, I'm, I'm not having a go at Raskin here. It's it's, yeah. uh, it's totally, 
indicative of the environment that he's currently <clears throat> working working in because this chat has came from his teammates there's no doubt about it for me um Eddie, <clears throat> just staying on the gap conversation isn't it depressing that this team won 55 and created a chasm between us and Celtic. This team then achieved a Europa League final. And now the narrative coming out of the camp is that Celtic have created a gap between us and them. The I suppose I'm trying to flip it and have some positivity around a discussion when it comes to a gap, because undoubtedly there is a gap between us and Celtic, um, despite us having such a position of strength prior to it opening up. And it shows you that things can change very quickly in football. So there is reasons there to be positive to say that, to Andrew's point, five, six quality players come in. It's not just about closing the gap. We could actually overtake them because Celtic have shown themselves that they've they, they done that to us. So there is there is a, a positive outlook there. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, this, I hate to give them credit almost as much as I hate agreeing with you, but... Um, this Celtic team are very good. No matter what anyone says, we have to hold our hands up and say they're very good. But at the moment, they're very good going up against a Rangers team that hasn't really put any pressure on them. Um, and that's you know that's our fault. And that's not to say that, that they wouldn't still be just as good if we were performing to the level that we had the, the year before when we'd won 55. Um, <clears throat> but these, two last, these last two seasons, we haven't put the pressure on them that we should, hopefully... In the summer, like Andrew says, we'll make five, six good signings, ones that will really improve that starting 11. Um, and we can see how good they are when they're up against a quality challenge as well. Mm. Kenny, what's your thoughts on uh, this narrative? Uh, but I don't like the narrative, obviously. But what I will say in uh, Nico Raskin's defence is he has been told that you're right in that sense, that that's coming from within the dressing room. But to be fair, they're probably talking and taking it in a context of this season only, where in the first couple of games, we were nowhere near them. We really weren't. Um, or the first game, I beg your pardon, we were nowhere near them. And we are getting closer to them. If we could stop shooting ourselves in the foot, that would help. Uh, and I'll disagree very slightly with Eddie. I think, I don't, I, you know, they are a good side, but I, I don't think they're a, a very good side at all. Uh, I, I think our, our failings, uh, particularly in games against them, are making them look better than they actually are. I think our failings are taking a lot of pressure off of that Celtic team as well. Uh, but for, for for Raskin to be to be wheeled out for that interview as well, right. I, I I just find that a wee bit odd. I I, I want to see the senior players come out and just come out with the party line and away again. Don't put young kids that are just in the door in in front of. Sky cameras. Uh, I don't like it, um, but that, that's why I can see what he's trying to say. To be fair, um, but I'd much prefer the James Tavernier or a Connor Goldson or a Scott Arfield to come out and, or a Ryan Jack for that matter, even though he wouldn't be playing, to come out and actually speak to the press uh, or speak to Sky. Um, but I, I, I feel sorry for the kid. I think uh, you know I'm taking what all three of you have said there. I actually tend to agree with you, Chris. I think it's coming from. The, the players themselves, look, we're getting closer, we've got a chance and, and all the rest of it. Um, I just think it's badly done by Rangers yet again in terms of who they've sent out to do the interview. Unless, of course, Sky have asked for Nico Raskin, which might well have been the case. And it, But I don't really read too much into the media stuff. Uh, 
prior to a game, unless we go, and as Eddie had said in the group chat, I wish our players would just do their talking on the pitch. I think that's the perfect way to put it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about on the pitch. Uh, as I said, we don't have any updates and in, in, uh, players returning from injury at the moment due to the lack of press conference. So let's just assume that Goldson will make it. Goldson will play. If Goldson's got half a leg hanging off, he still should play. Um, so he's pretty much nailed in. So the next, the, or, or the first, well, actually, let's start in kind of chronological order. Uh I'll, I'll come to you first again, Kenny. Uh, McGregor or McLaughlin? Now, the reason I'm asking that is because it is a cup game and we've seen over the years that McLaughlin gets put into these games. Um, and I would actually say McLaughlin's probably overdue a start under Michael Beale because he used them quite frequently at the start of his reign um, and he said that he would continue to do that, but he hasn't really. Um, so is this going to be one of those, uh, you know, Opportunities for McLaughlin because it is a cup game. We've seen Gio utilise that. We've seen Gerald utilise it. Uh, so will Bill put McLaughlin in this? My own personal preference would be just stay with McGregor. Um, I know that I know that he's not the strongest. I know that there's a potential mistake there. I know Celtic will try and exploit that, but he's still better than McLaughlin. Oh, he absolutely is. Yeah. Uh, no, I think it's too important a game. Uh, I, I think if you look back to a few months ago when he first, you know came in the door, Michael Beale. He did give McLaughlin his opportunities and he was horrific. I just do not see him uh, changing this for this game. This is a must win. He can't yeah. be doing anything but playing his best 11. And for all of McGregor's faults over the last couple of seasons, he is a far, far superior goalkeeper to John McLaughlin, Chris. So, Eddie, as I was just about to say there, uh, obviously Goldson uh, most likely will start. We obviously can't confirm that. Michael Beale will confirm that tomorrow uh, about his availability. Just need to hope and pray that he will start. So the next decision is, will it be Davis or Souter? Uh, now, again, I'll give you my opinion before I bring you in, Eddie, but uh, ben, ben Davis just cannot categorically, categorically cannot start this game. He just cannot start this game. And it's not even to do with his recent horrific form, which has been absolutely... Shocking, uh, it really has, and that all started with that mistake at Parkhead, obviously, which kind of fed into the St. Martin game and then the Aberdeen game. Uh, the reason I wouldn't play him isn't because he's bang out of form, the reason I wouldn't play him is because he cannot handle Kyogo. Kyogo has his number. Uh, You've you seen the way that he's defended against Kyogo in the 2 2 game, the cup final, and then obviously the game at Parkhead. All those games Kyogo scored, all those games Kyogo had the measure of Davis. Um, and Celtic only a physical team, so in many ways people might actually argue this will suit Ben Davis more because he obviously hates the physicality, uh, whereas they might not be a physical team, but they're a clever team, and Kyogo is a very clever player, and unfortunately for us, he's more clever upstairs and in the feet department than, than Ben Davis, and I would go with Suter all day long. Ben Davis cannot start this game because... Uh, yeah, Kyogo will be rubbing his hands if he sees him in, in the team sheet. How do you uh, see it? What did you just say about Ben Davies? Uh, I said a lot about Ben Davies. Um, he hates the physicality. Oh, right, right. <laughs> a centre-back who hates the physicalities of the game. He absolutely cannot start in an old firm and actually shouldn't be starting any game if that's, you know, if, if <laughs> you can't be a centre-back and hate the physicality of it. You're meant to be there to be the final wall against the uh, opposition getting in front of the goal. And for me, you're, like, you're right, it's not just his form lately. It's just overall I'm not convinced by him whatsoever. 
and the form at the moment for me is just him coming back to roost. I kind of first couple of games he played, I kind of thought we might have, but since then I, I've never really warmed to him after that. And this recent run for me just says he needs to be out of that team sooner rather than later. And in the summer, I feel like we're going to have to go out and take a big hit just to get rid of him. Just on the, obviously the physicality chat there, Eddie, but if, if you take the, the Celtic games into isolation, as I say, Celtic only a physical side, but Kyogo is still technically getting the better of him because of his movement, which Davis has struggled with, totally struggled with. I think that's five goals in three games, head-to-head uh, -head between Kyogo and Davis. Uh, and I, I just I just would not be confident seeing him start at all. Um, back, back to my point, I wouldn't worry about Celtic bullying them because they're not that kind of team, but it's the other aspect, the quick movements, the um, getting you know, thinking three steps ahead, all this kind of stuff. And and that's what's been costing us goals against Celtic. Give Suter the chance. I know he made a horrific killer at Parkhead, he really did. But, you know, that that can happen. That's a brain. Every, yeah, everyone has a, a howler in them. But Suter's a, a really good defender. I really like Suter. I liked him before he came to the club. I think now that he's back fit and playing, he's we're seeing him improve. Yeah, he had that mistake, but... Like, you know, like you say, everyone has a mistake in them at some point. I'm not going to hold that one mistake against him. Um, but overall, for me, Ben Davies, you're right, so like, not the most physical of sides. Um, I still just can't get over a defender who doesn't like the physical side of the game, though. But, you know, he, he's, his positional awareness and his reading of the game isn't good enough to make up for that. So I, I just I kind of see him, what, what he would bring to this game. He's not, I would not be comfortable having him in the starting lineup. It, it just I would be worried the whole game that they were going to take advantage of him. Andrew, another player that uh, really is under a wee bit of pressure. Um, there's more uh, attention. I was going to say criticism, but I would, I would use the term attention. Uh, and he really, really has to deliver in this game. And that's Malik Tillman. Now, I think Tillman will start. There's no doubt about that. Um, the argument against paying the five million for Tillman, which by the way, I've changed my mind on, obviously I wouldn't have done it. Um, and this was one of the reasons why I wouldn't have done it because when it comes to these games, he's non-existent. But as I've explained before, I would now pay the five million because he can do it in the other games and those games are just as valuable as the old fun games because you obviously need to rack up the points. Uh, you know, 12 potential points against Celtic isn't going to win as a league. We need to get the other 80 from somewhere. And he's he can do that almost single-handedly. So that's worth it for me. And then we can obviously flip him. So I don't think his future really is reliant on this game. However, in some fans' eyes, and I totally get it because I've been there, I have, this game is do or die for Tillman. If he doesn't perform, there's going to be a large section of the fans that just will not have it. And that will keep into next season because we we we're a fan base that don't forget. Um, and do you think that he's aware of this pressure? Do you think that he knows himself he needs to deliver on this game? And can you see this Sunday being the day where he actually does uh, turn up in an old firm game? I think it's a difficult one because Aribo is one of these players who I think will be much more effective with different players around him. We just saw in the Aberdeen game where he could have had two assists. Um, if the players who he was passing to can actually finish the goals. Um, for me, he is a player who is very much like first season Aribo in that he will be very effective against teams who are of lesser skill, but then he will struggle in some of these bigger games. But it's exacerbated by the fact that this is Malik Tillman's first season of professional football. Like Prior to this, he's been playing academy football for Bayern Munich. So 
this is a big step up and it's a it's a bigger demand at this level than it has been for any of the other games that he's had but I would absolutely still be starting him because of what he can bring to the table. Um, he's been, I think this season, probably our most effective uh, attacking midfielder or player in one of those forward areas because of what he can do in terms of creating opportunities, unlocking a defence. And that's exactly what we're going to need to do in this game. So I, it's a no-brainer for me. He should absolutely be starting this game. Do you think he'll deliver though? I'm hopeful that he will deliver, just as I'm hopeful that the rest of this team will come in and do the business. But... You can't tell. Um, you, can. you can't tell. I think, for me, the biggest question comes back to what we were talking about with Ide, which is the defence. Um, we saw how effective that Ben Davis was next to Connor Goldson, and then whenever Goldson's come out and Davis had to play by himself, I think we're seeing the reason why, and it wasn't because Ben Davis is suddenly shot of confidence, it's because he doesn't have Connor Goldson next to him telling him how to play the game, which in itself is a worry. So if the defence is set and solid and doesn't decide to hand them two goals on a plate, then we stand ourselves in good stead. Um, It just comes down to that thing. It's the individual mistakes that have cost us in these previous games. So as long as we cut those out, I absolutely believe that we can do this. Kenny, uh, two players that will be important for us uh, this weekend are the two new guys, uh, Raskin and Cantwell. And it's... A lot unfair on them because obviously they're just in the door and and there is a lot of pressure on them now because there's a lot of expectation from us as fans that we want them to deliver in this game. Um, but I think that's a compliment to them because they've shown enough in their short spell, uh, or sh- short tenure so far that there's something about them that we know that they can uh, make an impact in these games. Um, for me, Kenny, there's obviously a void there for holding midfielder due to the absence of Ryan Jack. Now, you've got, obviously, John Lundstrom or Glenn Kamara. Glenn Kamara is so far out the door, it's quite unbelievable, the the fall from grace from Glenn Kamara. So, can't see him starting. So, it does look like John Lundstrom starting. But, seriously, I, I would go with Cantwell and Raskin as the holding midfielders. I believe Cantwell can do that. Raskin obviously can. And then I would go with a front three of Tillman, Sakala and Kent. Obviously, Kent permitting he's fit, which I believe it will be. Um, and then obviously Morelos up front. That that's how I would approach this. Um, I'm not going to go into why I wouldn't have John Lynch on the team. I think I've done that over and over. I'm not going to give myself an aneurysm again about it. But um, I, I would be bold and go with Cantwell and Raskin as they hope as they sit in midfielders, and then have Tillman, Sakala, and Kent in front of them. Is that? Too open? Is that maybe a wee bit undisciplined? Do we maybe need a John Lundstrom in there for all his inabilities? He at least will not move past that halfway line, which we probably will need. Is Cantwell just a wee bit too ill-disciplined to stay in that role? I don't believe he isn't. Uh, he is, sorry. I, I, I firmly believe he can do the role, but it's a big call for Michael Wheel here because when you continue to pick the same players who continue to let you down in this fixture, then that, that trend is not going to change. And that's why I think he needs to do something completely different. Yeah, I understand that. Um, I, I listen. I think we all, all four of us here probably know he will start with John Lundstrom and Nico oh, Raskin. Any man, no. <laughs> oh, let's not kid ourselves on. <laughs> John Lundstrom will start on Sunday. Um, we discussed this uh, in the preview show uh, for the last game against them. And if you remember, I said I totally agree with you. I think Todd Cantwell could play there. Um, but he didn't do it then. And I d- he certainly won't t- be taking that chance in a, uh, 
in what if effectively is our last big game of the season, unless we happen to win it. Um, but to go back to your original point about the two of them being important, uh, listen, I think Michael Beale has probably laid it on the line to them that, look, we want to get this season out the road. This is your bedding in period. Um, get used to it. Get used to the environment that you're in. Um, their energy has been much needed and much appreciated since they got here. Um, but no, listen, um, I, I don't want to sit there and rain on your parade, but I, I just can't see it happening, to be honest. I think he will start with John Lundstrom and Nico Rask in his holders, and Cantwell will be farther forward. That's my take on it, Chris. I'm, I'm sorry to say. Well, with, with my new gimmick of positivity, I will say it was around about this time last year where John Lundstrom gave us that performance against Leipzig. So maybe this is the time of year where John Lundstrom comes out the out of storage and actually shows us that he actually can play football. But um, I think that's even gone too far for me uh, with, with this new positive gimmick because it's, it's I just I'm a Rangers fan, Kenny, obviously, um, and I know how I feel when I see Lundstrom on the team sheet. I don't think it's that obvious, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I know how I feel when I see John Lundstrom starting against Celtic, and I can only imagine how they feel when they see it, and that's that, that's the issue, isn't it? Um, but you've said yourself, Chris, it's a kind of last hurrah for a lot of these guys, and to be honest, I, I, I've said this to you a couple of times as well, I, it, it wouldn't surprise me if John Lundstrom's away in the summer as well, so it's his last chance as well, if you like, to... Actually flip that, Kenny, and say it will surprise me greatly if he stays... Um, it will surprise me very, very much so if John Lundstrom star Rangers playing next year. Because, look, let's come on to it. Michael Beale, right, a young manager. He's a very ambitious guy. He wants to have a long, long career in in this game as a football manager. Uh, it's been his lifelong ambition to be a football manager. He had a cushy job down south um, where he would have been given all the time in the world to mould that QPR team into the team that he wanted it to be. He was offered a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go to the Premier League straight away. Showed massive balls to knock that back. But the lure of Rangers was too much for him, which is obviously because he's got an emotional connection to the club. So Michael Beale will live and die by these players. Who he chooses to retain and who he chooses to kick out the door. And his career is on the line by putting trust into these players, especially the ones he's going to retain. Now... I don't think Michael Beale's under pressure as such. However, what I will say is if he loses at the weekend, I still don't think he's under pressure. I still don't think that he's going to be, people are going to be calling for it to be sacked. That's just ridiculous talk. But what I will say is, and I'll try and articulate this in the best way I possibly can. I tried to articulate it on Twitter, but obviously that people take what you say so out of context and it's just not worth it. So maybe when I'm actually speaking, I can maybe get my point across a wee bit more. Michael Beale is getting closer to a situation that is going to make him be very uncomfortable and it's and it's going to heap massive amounts of pressure on him. If we fail to beat Celtic over the next two matches um, that are remaining in this season, it goes into next season and if there's a failure in the Champions League qualifiers and then that first old firm game of the season, it's usually in August, it's usually straight away. The pressure getting into that game with his new team, with the record that he has against Celtic to the, pra- the, the previous season, which obviously... Fairly or unfairly, the Rangers fans, as I mentioned, Malik Tillman, we don't forget this stuff. The pressure that will be on him to get a result in that game would be massive. So the quicker he can get a result, hopefully, 
this season, the easier the the the, the pressure will become, or the less pressure will, will be on them at the start of a new season, because there's so many tangible aspects of of the season, early season that people will judge you on. As I say, Champions League qualifiers, that very early European game, eh, that very, very early eh, Old Firm game, sorry, the very, very early League Cup games, all these are pressure situations which have got massive amounts of pressure on it in isolation anyway, but on the back of a really terrible barren run against them, and the back of them potentially winning another treble, it's just going to heighten. So, so Bill, to the, the, I suppose the point I'm making here is, Bill needs to make sure that the 11 guys he picks on Sunday, he trusts to do a job for him because it's his career that's on the line. If Bill fails at Rangers, he's got a long, 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 long way to making it to the Premier League. Probably will never make it to the Premier League. And he will know that himself. So, Eddie, just how important, and I know this really is quite unfair to as a Rangers fan to be maybe putting this pressure on Michael Beale, but we're just being realistic, we're, we're, we're being honest about the situation because this is life as Glasgow Rangers manager and it happened to the most successful of Rangers managers, uh, McLeish, uh, Walter Smith, uh, Dick Advocate, all these guys had this pressure as well. So do you do you buy into that or, or do you think I'm just talking a lot of nonsense and I'm putting unnecessary pressure on, on Michael Beale himself? I feel like, and whether this probably wasn't intentional, but that's a very negative route to have gone down. You are probably right in what you're saying, but in all honesty, it's not something that I think about too much because I go into the game of optimism that we'll win. I don't think this particular game has any more pressure on it than any any old firm cup game, to be honest, because any old firm sure. cup game has to be, you know, you have to win that. And no, go on, sorry. Right, I was just going to say, I'm maybe not talking about pressure for this particular game. I'm no, I know that. Pressure getting into next season. If yeah, yeah. No, no, I know that. But but I'm I'm saying that that overall route is very negative and I'm not really viewing it in that way at the moment because I think we'll win this game. And mm-hmm. then I just qualify that by saying I also think this game isn't any more or less pressure than any Old Firm Cup game because they all need to be won. Um mm-hmm. And uh, I've said this before, I go into every old firm thinking we're going to win because I feel like we should be winning them. Um, and if I expect the players to go into these games thinking they're going to win, then I should at least go into it the same. And, you know, I, I think this Sunday is no different. I think we'll go out and we'll win. Will it be pretty? Probably not. And not many of our games under Beal have been pretty so far, but ultimately any win in an old firm game will do me. Andrew, how do you feel about uh, Michael Beal um, and the potential obstacles that may be in his way if he fails to get a win um, whether it's this weekend or even the last game of the season which obviously is a meaningless game anyway but uh, it builds up a, a narrative it builds up a body of work there which you know it can all start to snowball into just one kind of big pressure pot well it's like the narrative thing that we talked about previously right you, you want to be able to start off you know your new season with your new team on yeah. the best possible start. You can do that off the back of winning a Scottish Cup. That is good news. But we saw that Geo did that last season off the back of a Scottish Cup and the Europa League final. And it didn't exactly buy him a massive amount of time. So, you know, there, there's... Yes, well, there... Andrew, I suppose that that's what I'm getting at then. Because why should Bill be any different? Well, and, that, that... I'm not putting pressure on him. I'm just saying how ugly things get... Well, not ugly, but how 
pressure can be ramped up very, very quickly in Glasgow. Well, there was a reason we called our preview show Two Defeats from a Crisis, because yeah. you, you always are in that position as manager or Rangers. So is this game important for Michael Beale? Obviously, massively. He wants to, you know, get his first half season underway with at least something to show for it. You know, not just kind of the buzzword of progress or narrowing the gap or whatever you want to call it. You want to see something concrete, something shiny that you can point to in the trophy room and say, I did that. I achieved that, you know, managing this team. So will there be more pressure on him if he doesn't win it? Of course. But I think there's there's going to be pressure on him regardless. So it, it's the gig. He will be under no illusions about what managing this club means because he sat right next to Steven Gerrard and saw what Steven Gerrard had to do. And that was Steven Gerrard's first job as manager. Michael Beale, by all accounts, was extremely trusted by him. So he'll be under no illusions about what this game means. Mm-hmm. He knows exactly what the, what the impact will be. So I, I think it's important. But I don't think it would be something to judge Michael Beale as a manager at all. I think it's far too soon in the game for that. Yeah. Kenny? Yeah, listen, uh, the one thing I will say about that is uh, we, we, we talked and discussed uh, that, that, this, that very scenario a few weeks ago. But what I will say about this is if you look back to just a few weeks ago there at Celtic Park, Michael Beale got his tactics absolutely spot on. So it came down to the players on the day and it will come down to the players again because he, he did get it right. It was just two individual, you know, massive errors that cost us on the day. And I tend to agree with Eddie. I, I do genuinely believe that. I started by saying that, listen, if we start well and defend properly, we have a big chance of beating them because they are, they're a decent side. Nobody's denying that. But yeah. We can certainly give them a game and we can certainly beat them, Chris. Um, and I do think that uh, to a certain degree, this bedding in period for Michael Beale and Raskin and Cantwell and all the rest of it, um, look, next season's a new season and we'll see how it goes. That's what I would say. But I do understand your point, but I understand what Eddie and Andrew are both saying as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know... But I suppose the, the consensus amongst us all is pretty much Bill can only do so much before the game. When the players cross that line, it's up to them. And look, we'll see. We'll see what their attitude is like. We'll see where their head is at. And we'll see where their confidence levels are. And in an old firm game, you can see that very quickly. It's a very unique game. Because against Aberdeen, that first half an hour, we looked the more confident team. We looked the, the team that was going to go and win the game. And then all of a sudden... Boom, we get beat. Whereas an old firm game, you can tell in the first five, ten minutes who's going to win the game. You, you genuinely can because the attitude of the players, the, the way the players conduct themselves in the park, the the running about, you know, the physicality, the getting stuck in, all that stuff is important in these games. And if that's spot on in the first five, ten minutes, you usually have a good indication of how the game's going to pan out. And that will be a crucial period for me when I'm obviously watching the game and seeing how these players are reacting to what well, is obviously a game where Rangers have been written off, and not not just by outsiders, by by many in the support. I, I feel that the support have this inevitability about them that you know we've seen this so many times from this team. So it's it's up to them to show us, you know, going back to this kind of final chapter thing again. Let's end it on a high, uh, if, if you want to call a Scottish Cup one a high, um, 
and let's not have us remember you in a wholly negative manner. Let's just end this as positively as we can. And I'm sure myself, like I know I've probably been particularly negative on this podcast tonight, but if we do those basics and we do those tangible, uh, you know, expectation uh, from the fans, if, if if they do those things, then I, I, I do believe myself that that we can have a positive outcome at the weekend. Um, and, you know, to I go into this game with as much positivity as Kenny and Eddie and probably Andrew as well? Maybe not, but, you know, I've often found many times when I go into games uh, pretty much writing Rangers off or pretty much not expecting much that I can be surprised. So I just hope that this weekend is, is one of them. Um, we don't do predictions in this show because obviously we all want Rangers to win. We always will predict that Rangers win, so there's no point kind of doing that. But as I suppose as a bare minimum, I've just I've just expressed a bare minimum there. Are you all three of you guys? Is it are you in agreement with that? Just shows fight, desire, commitment, hunger. Shows that you're fighting for our cause. Um, and I don't think that will be acceptable. I don't think that will get in my buy, but at least will be something. We won't go down and get our bellies tickled and and, and our noses rubbed in it. Uh, is is that a, an acceptable start to the game? Maybe um, or maybe a, a, an acceptable uh, mindset for for the players uh, that that will make you feel a lot more comfortable. Or uh, you you pretty much like Eddie for your example. You just want to win, don't you? You don't care about how it's perfect. You you would take a, a 1-0 win when the ball bounces off Carter Vickers' arse in the last minute and Celtic have had 75% possession and 30 shots and goals. You would take that, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Yeah. So all that other stuff I was talking about is just a lot of shite then. <laughs> I'd, I'd expect to see all that ever stuff, but I would take just a 1-0 fluke. I, I don't really care as so long as we win. Andrew, I'll come to you last because I need you to have the email. So, Kenny, uh, give me your kind of final thoughts. Um, leave it all out there. Um, leave it all out in the pitch. Um, give it everything. Um, and be positive. Yeah. Get at get at them. Um, yeah. That that's the one thing that we we have to do. We did that uh, a few weeks ago when we played them. We played reasonably well. I didn't think we were brilliant. I thought it was a overall it was quite a poor game um, to be honest. But we competed and could have, could well have got a result if it wasn't for individual errors uh, and refereeing howlers. But um, I, I'm quite, co- I, I wouldn't say I'm confident, I'm quite positive about Sunday in the in the sense that I think they will be up for it on Sunday, I must admit, I really do. So will they, of course, but I, I think defend first and foremost and, t- you know, correctly and, and well and we'll see where we go for there, Chris. Kenny, you actually make a good point there. Uh, something that I haven't really um, touched upon, which I will very briefly just now, but in terms of getting at them, they do not like that. Uh, and no, they don't. That's the thing that's frustrating me the most about this particular Rangers team. When we press them, we get joy, uh, but we just don't do it enough. And that, to me, has to be the absolute game plan. Press them, press them, press them. And you know what? You summed it up perfectly. I'll leave it all out there because press a pressing game is a very tiresome game. Of course it is, um, not just in the legs but in the mind as well. But we've shown time and time again that when we press Celtic, opportunities are presented to us, and that that has to be the game plan. Would you would you go along with that? Absolutely. Um, listen, look at and I know 
the squad is slightly different from last year. But you look at this point last year when we played them in the semi-final, we had just come off the back of 120 minutes against Braga um, and played 120 minutes against them. And we left it right out there. Um, and we were fitter than them. And we might not be this season. That's part of the issue, I think. But that's exactly how we have to play. Go and press them. Uh, and the, in the full knowledge that the league campaign is pretty much done, you can rest thereafter. Um, leave it in, out there on that pitch. Everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Andrew, final word from you, mate. Well, I'd just like to say if that you'd like any more thoughts on the old firm coming up, then you can obviously check out my appearance on the overlap. I believe some other people were on it as well, like Ali McCoist and Chris Sutton, but I was there as well, uh, making extremely good points. Um, so yes, please check that out. There'll be a link in the description. But ultimately for me, I completely agree with what Kinney and Idia said. I want the guys to leave everything out there in the park and I don't care how the victory happens. Um, we would absolutely all take a scruffy 1-0 win off of Connor Goldson's arse into the goal so like wouldn't wouldn't care at all about that because ultimately the old firm you do not win extra points for playing pretty you don't get awards for having the most completed passes or anything like that the only thing that counts is at the end of the game you've won it so that's all i want the team to do just go out there and by whatever means necessary walk away with the win that's fair enough. Um, I noticed, Andrew, that obviously you've done the kind of shameless self-promotion there, but you didn't even promote the email, which is it's pretty poor. Chris, I'll, I'll, I'll PayPal you five <laughs> quid if you can tell me what the email address is, because I've told it to you, and Eddie's told it to you as well. I don't want to take all the credit here. I'll take all the credit for other things. Um, you know, no. it's probably, probably collectively about 40-odd times now. I to stop. be fair, it's very difficult to remember how to contact us at Saturday at three. Or indeed in the country that we're based UK. in. Um, <laughs> also, to be fair, I'm on this all the time and I couldn't have told you that at all. Kenny, it's not your job, man. Like uh, Chris's, name's, Chris's <laughs> name's actually on the podcast. Everything. It's actually my job. Jesus. Um, I don't know. The responsibility, the burden this comes with, man. <laughs> contact at saturdayatfree.co.uk and to be clear it's all letters no numbers but yes that that's right Chris uh, and yes if anyone does want to reach out to us please do email us we love to hear from you guys uh, show ideas your opinions your questions your thoughts or even if you want to come onto the pod and you know tell us we're all talking shit we love that as well mm-hmm. we're also on social media Instagram YouTube Facebook TikTok Amazon Music Apple uh Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course Twitter. Their Twitter account has changed over the last couple of days. Um, we now uh, have a new Twitter account, um, and that is my old Twitter. So there's obviously it's a big, it's a bigger account that is now at sat at free pod. So that's sat at at the number three pod pod. Um, so you can catch us over there. We're quite active on that as well. Um, so all that remains for me to do is thank my guest. First of all, Kenny, thanks very much, mate. Cheers. Thank you very much. Eddie, thank you. Cheers. It was uh, an interesting one, and hopefully we're all right and we do win on sun- uh, Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, uh, producer Andrew. Uh, Andrew, I have to say, I'll bring this to the podcast. Um, you are never, ever ever allowed to have a podcast off ever again because uh, the last recording between me, Kenny and Tom is probably one of the worst performances I've ever given and I really needed you to hold my hand so I appreciate you being here tonight. 
I'm, I'm like Ben Gates <laughs> with Conor Goldson. <laughs> um, well, you know, that is, I, I mean, always appreciate that, Chris. But I, what I will say is that it all sounded flawless come the edit. So, you know, you're welcome, I guess. I don't know, uh, but, I really did but uh, as always, always a pleasure to speak to all you guys. Um, you know, we, we do this for love, not the money. So, uh, yeah, it's it's all good fun, boys. Hold his hand, Andrew. <laughs> we will be back next week to discuss the outcome of this game at the weekend. Um, we will be re- releasing a pod pretty early if it's a win, and then it'll just probably be normal, uh, usual time, kind of Tuesday, Wednesday, if it's a negative outcome. So we can obviously gather thoughts, take a take a step back and try and have different perspectives. Um, it's always great to be irrational, and full of beans if I, if it's a victory, so I don't mind that. But being irrational and uh, just wanting to take on the world after a defeat is never healthy for anyone, especially myself. So um, timing that that is the timeline for next week. So join us then, and thank you very much for listening to us. Thank you. Andrew, I'm getting no signal that you're recording the call. He is recording the call. <laughs> I am recording the call. We're all sitting here waiting for you to start. Uh, I've still not got anything up, so it's definitely recording now. I tell you what, Chris, just for your sake, and I know you had some trauma recently. That's not, stop that's record- that's... I'll stop recording and I'll start recording again, okay? Grim. Right, I've got it now. Start recording. Cool, cool, cool. Great. Has everyone else got it? Is everyone else okay? Yep. Wonderful. Are these no say yes yet? <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs>